Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today's episode is a personal finance update. I think I've shared over the course of the past year or two just how much of a financial revolution I've been in the midst of. And today's episode goes into the weeds into one way that Brad and I have really upped our financial game this year through refinancing our mortgage. I want to start by making it clear that I am not a personal financial advisor, money coach, or money expert by any means. And I also should share that this podcast was inspired by last week's announcement by the Federal Reserve that they were dropping interest rates yet again to sort of help shore up an uncertain economic forecast. And it reminded me that I've been meaning to write this post and record this podcast for a little while now to share how Brad and I took advantage of lowering interest rates in a big way this year when it comes to refinancing our mortgage. So for anyone here whose eyes kind of glaze over when I start talking about wonky money stuff, or if you're paying rent, which a lot of you I know are, and don't have a mortgage to refinance right now, let me just start off by saying you might benefit most from some of my earlier podcasts about personal finance stuff. So I've really been on quite a financial journey myself over the last couple of years of really learning more and doing more and leveling up in a big way. And it's due in no small part to the folks who have come on this podcast and helped educate me and our whole community about what we can be doing more to really you know, just shore up our own finances. Because as a feminist, I feel like getting your money is part of the pursuit of equality. So there's a bunch of episodes I'm going to link to in today's show notes. If you're really at the beginning stages, I highly recommend listening to episode 72, which is actually a live podcast recording I did in DC. And the show was all about women and wealth. I interviewed three different folks with three different perspectives on, you know, how to slay debt, how to begin saving and how to leverage your savings at different stages of your personal financial journey. There's a ton of other episodes I'll link to related to money on the blog and on the podcast in today's show notes. But for the rest of you who are like excited to get a little wonky with me, or for those of you who are homeowners or aspiring homeowners listening to this, you may be able to save tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars by looking into a refinance right now. What I want to share with you is how Brad and I saved 
$190,000 plus by refinancing this year. Okay, for a little bit of background, first, I should say that we bought our home that we currently live in for about $375,000 last year after it originally went on the market last October, October 2018, for $400,000. Now, we found it in October after it had been sitting on the market. Actually, so it, it had originally gone on the market for $400,000 at the beginning of September. So it had been sitting on the market for nearly two months when we found it, which is, to be clear, exceptionally rare in Denver's very hot housing market. But there was a little bit of a slump last fall because that was when the original doom and gloom economic headlines really started saying there was a recession around the corner. So we've been living under those headlines now for a year, which is kind of annoying. So during that slump, we pounced on the opportunity to negotiate a good price on this home. It was a great home. Our other home was ready to be rented out. We were ready to sort of make that transition. And we had secured financing that we needed to help us navigate that sort of leap financially, which frankly is a whole other <laughs> podcast story that would take forever if I got into. But Long story short, we were able to negotiate a really great price on this house because of that slump. We negotiated $10,000 off the asking price and secured a $5,000 reduction in closing costs since there were a few fixes that we had to make to the house and the homeowners were great and they were wonderful people to negotiate with and they really liked us. And frankly, they didn't have too many other offers. By the way, have I mentioned how much I love negotiation? <laughs> because I do. So at the time when we started the closing process on this home last fall, interest rates had actually been slowly rising because the economy was doing really well. Post-recession, a decade after the Great Recession, it was like the federal rates needed to start rising and banks started increasing their rates as well. So once we put our 10% down payment down, the mortgage that we secured for the rest of the home price was given to us at a 5.125% interest rate on a 30-year term, a 30-year fixed term mortgage or fixed rate mortgage. Now, mind you, 30-year mortgages are pretty standard. Most homeowners opt to stretch out those payments over 30 years so that you can afford a bigger house and you can have a lower monthly payment due. But if you look closely at those 30 years of payments, you'll notice that the interest payments you're making can significantly add up. So in looking at our terms, over the course of the next 30 years, we'd end up paying a total of $329,536 in interest payments alone. That's almost the cost of the whole house, right? The other part of our payments would go to the principal, the cost of the house itself, and that would be $337,258. Basically, we'd be paying 96% of the worth of our home in interest to the bank, meaning as thanks to the bank for lending us the money over 30 years, we'd pay double for our house. This is how banks make their money. And for any homeowner with a 30-year mortgage, that's probably what your mortgage breaks down into. So essentially, you're paying for the value of your home twice. Now, for a lot of us, that's the most we could afford. So I, I understand like to keep your payments low, you have to stretch it out over 30 years. But it's crazy that we're all essentially paying double for our homes with 30-year mortgages if that's the case. 
So our monthly mortgage payment under that structure was $2,099. So about $2,100. Not crazy high for the lovely, but albeit very small house that we have purchased here in a city, in a great metropolitan city like Denver, but it's not nothing. So for my friends who bought way more expensive houses, you probably think $2,100 is super cheap. And in, in a lot of ways it is, but $2,100 is not nothing. So when the Federal Reserve started dropping rates again this year, Brad and I read in a few different newspapers this interesting sort of refinancing rule of thumb to look out for. Basically, if you can secure an interest rate that's at least one percentage point lower than the rate you currently have, most people consider that worth pursuing. So there were some interesting articles written about how people in our position who had just bought houses six months earlier, you know, in, in fall of last year, were actually in a very good position to refinance because rates had been rising and now they were lowering again this year because the Fed started to get nervous about the economy. So when the Fed dropped rates in 2019, many banks chose to do the same. And while I, I don't want to get too wonky here, but the relationship between the Federal Reserve rates and banking rates, they're not direct. There's a lot of indirect pressure to sort of follow the lead of the Fed. Google it if you want to learn more about that. So we started shopping around. I'm sort of the default CFO of our family and our, our little real estate business. So I got in touch with our existing bank, a small local bank that held our mortgage, and I wanted to shop around and look into some other rates too. So I used Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, which for full disclosure has sponsored my podcasts over the years. And that helped us get a bunch of other direct quotes from banks and sort of connected us to a whole bunch of banks that competed for our business. And we contacted the bank that I use for the majority of our personal finances um, and our personal accounts, Bank of America. Now, for all the banks that we talked to, Bank of America offered frankly, the best option, a price match guarantee. They would match any other offer that I could find. And they had the best customer service by far. So I leveraged other offers that we were able to get from other banks to really negotiate with Bank of America and actually improve the deal for ourselves from their initial offer, which was awesome. Have I mentioned that I love negotiation? Because I do. And then we decided to move forward with them based off of our initial sort of estimates of what they could get for us and, and negotiations with them. And frankly, then the real work began. <laughs> Refinancing, to be clear, is just like rebuying your house from a financial perspective. That means there was an absolute mountain of paperwork to do. You need to provide all kinds of financial statements, tax records, and more information about your home. Like we had to get a new appraisal of our home all over again. It's kind of like you have to re-qualify for your mortgage, but this time, or at least in our case, with a totally different financial institution. So over the following month or two, really, I did about I'd say like 10 to 20 hours of paperwork associated with the refinance, which was a lot. And it felt really boring for most of the time. And it was like reading a bunch of words and statements and filling things out that didn't even make that much sense and asking lots of questions and just making sure we were learning. It was, it was just hard. It's a stretch. Like I'm not a financial expert, so this is not easy work. So 
Keep in mind, there's a lot of homework involved. And we had to get the house reappraised by Bank of America itself. Fortunately, it came in at $400,000, which is exactly what I thought it should, given what homes were selling for in our area and how there wasn't that slump anymore that we'd actually capitalized on. But it was actually kind of difficult for us to make the case at first because, at least with this appraiser who came by the house to appraise things, because the sale price from less than a year ago was lower because I had negotiated it. So it was kind of like my negotiation skills bit us in the ass for a second because the appraiser was like, I don't know if this home is worth 400000 And I was like, it is. It went on the market for 400000 There was just a weird slump and I'm a great negotiator. And look at all the houses in the neighborhood that are selling comparably. And fortunately, it did come in at 400000 anyway because of what's going on in our neighborhood and all the different comparable houses and and house sales that are happening. So what that means is essentially in less than one year, we had earned $15,000 in equity in our home. And we haven't really even started on the renovations here that we want to make. So that was pretty awesome. I should also say that we refinanced into a shorter term loan, which is the big motivation behind the refinance. So for us, the entire time we pursued this, we were really aiming to see what refinancing from a 30-year mortgage to a 20-year mortgage at a lower interest rate would look like. We couldn't probably afford the the 15-year option, but we were initially also looking at a 15-year mortgage structure as well. The good news is nowadays, there's lots of different terms you can refinance into that will work best for your budget. The goal was to reduce our overall interest obligation without increasing our monthly mortgage payment too much. So remember how I said that a 30-year term means you're essentially paying for your house twice? That was the number we wanted to reduce. We didn't want to pay double for our home in, in $300 plus thousand in interest to the bank. Now, if your goal is different, if your goal is just to lower your monthly mortgage payment, that can also be obtained through refinancing. So if you need cash on hand, you want to lower that payment, refinancing can also be a good option to make that happen, but you wouldn't shorten your loan term in that situation. So you wouldn't go from a 30-year mortgage to a 20-year mortgage. You would just refinance into a better interest rate at the same term that you already have. And frankly, my financial advisor, Chris, pointed this out to me recently. If you ever really want to shorten your loan term, you don't need to refinance. You can just start making extra payments to your mortgage principal every month. And you can decide that on a month-to-month basis. So extra payments alone can also shorten your loan term overall. So once everything got approved through underwriting, which is underwriting is like the department in the bank that decides if you qualify for their loan, if your house is worth financially backing, if they want to buy your mortgage, if you seem like a credible person who pays their bills on time, all that jazz. And so we made it through underwriting and then our new loan structure that was offered to us looked like this. We had the same amount of the total loan that was that was due still about $337,000. That's what we owed on our house. But now our loan term was 20 years long. So that was 10 years fewer uh, than our original 30-year term. And our new fixed interest rate that they could offer us 
was 3.625%, which is one and a half percentage points lower than our original 5.125% interest rate, which is important. That is the key to making this all happen. So now our monthly mortgage payment that's due every month went up by $127 a month. So it went to $2,228 or $26. And some of that's going to PMI, which is private mortgage insurance, which will actually go away in a few years. And that's too wonky to get into the weeds, but essentially because um, we haven't put 20% down on our down payment, we have to pay for extra insurance that says, even if you default on your loan, like you're covered much longer story. But PMI, private mortgage insurance payments will actually go away after a couple of years once we hit that 20% threshold. So for all of the hassle of refinancing, which is about two months worth of paperwork and back and forth, and for paying $127 more a month upfront in our mortgage payments, we'll end up paying off our home 10 years faster and paying a total of 338,919 to principal and PMI and only $139,316 to interest. Way less than what we were going to pay to interest if we had stuck with a 30-year mortgage. In fact, that is now $190,220 less than what we would have paid in interest payments in our original 30-year mortgage. Damn, that's a big number. 190K plus is what we're saving. Like that is a crazy high amount of savings, even more than we anticipated. So to be clear, the whole financial process of refinancing did cost money because there's about $5,300 in closing costs that we incurred. But we were actually able to just bundle that five grand into the new loan itself. So we didn't have to pay it. And it still left us with a huge amount of savings. We just sort of pay it now in the form of our loan, in the form of paying our monthly mortgage payments. So it didn't really affect our cash flow. We did, however, have to bring $927 in cash to the final closing date. So that's something to ask about when you're shopping around different loan options. Say, what do I need in terms of cash to close. A lot of other banks were like, you need five grand in cash to close. And we were like, I'd rather not. Can't we bundle it in and reduce that? And Bank of America was very flexible in, in, in reducing the number of, of dollars we actually, actually had to bring to close it. Now, interestingly, even though we had to put up 927, like out of thin air, out of our savings, out of our cash flow. A month later, we actually received a check for $1,200 in the mail from our former bank that held our mortgage because it, it was the difference in our payoff amount. Basically, over the course of the two-month-long refinance process, we'd made another two mortgage payments. And the loan that Bank of America had structured didn't really account for that because they had to cover the whole amount when we'd first started the conversation. So therefore, the loan amount that we secured from Bank of America and when Bank of America kind of bought our mortgage from our former bank, it was more than what they needed to pay off the full loan amount. So we, we had some weird cash flow in that we had to put up $927, but then a month later, we got it all back. So bottom line here, 
two months of paperwork and hassle and kind of annoying, wonky financial stretching, for lack of a better word, led to $190,000 plus in savings over the next 30 years. Now, are these instant savings? No. you know. Um, but m- myself in 20 years is going to be really happy because we'll have paid a bunch less in interest over the next 20 years, and we'll have paid off our house 10 years sooner. So in sort of conclusion and wrapping up here, Now we've consolidated all of our accounts with a single, almost all of our accounts with a single banking institution, which keeps things simple and convenient. And the other big benefit of refinancing that I should not overlook is that whenever you close on a home purchase, either a first time purchase or even as a refinance, you actually get your first month's mortgage payment for free, or you just skip it. So you don't owe a mortgage payment until like the full month after your closing date. So that was nice because that felt like a bonus month where we didn't have to pay any mortgage payment at all on our home. And so if you are a homeowner, at the end of the day, I highly recommend exploring if a refinance is right for you. Take the time to actually learn what your current interest rate is and ask the banking institution that holds your mortgage to tell you clearly what is the total interest payment that I'll pay to the bank over the course of my entire loan term. They actually don't make it very easy to figure that out. I had to like comb through our closing documents for that disclosure which I'm talking like 400 pages of financial wonkiness that I had to thumb through physically to find that number. But you can also just call the bank and ask them to get you that information or some of them provided online. Or sometimes you have to export your whole um, amortization schedule and like do the math yourself. Anyway, definitely find out what the total interest that you'll be paying for the for the privilege of having this mortgage over the next 20, 30 years. And if you can afford a slight increase in your mortgage payments every month, definitely explore reducing the term of your mortgage. If not, if you'd actually like to reduce your monthly mortgage payment and have more cash on hand, you can still save big by refinancing if the interest rate that you currently have is at least 1% higher than what you can get now. So definitely look into it. And don't get me wrong, this stuff takes time, energy, and effort to find out a lot more about your options. But the savings over time can be astronomical, as we've made clear. And keep in mind, even if you don't refinance right now, just like I mentioned earlier, you can always certainly opt to make extra mortgage payments to just pay off the principal owed on your home every month. So you can make that decision month to month and basically by default, reduce the term on your loan by just making extra payments. When you refinance into a shorter term loan, you have to make those payments. So it becomes less of an option. You have to make a higher mortgage payment. Now, listen, I'll say it again. I'm no financial advisor. In fact, I'm a client of my own personal financial advisor, Chris Caruso, who I've had on the podcast before, who I highly recommend if you want some personalized advice. So definitely talk to someone more qualified than I about your personal financial situation for the best possible advice and guidance for you. For instance, if you have interest on loans that's way higher than a mortgage, like if you've got credit card debt with 17% APRs, like your energy might be better focused on paying those down first before even touching your mortgage loan. But if refinancing does sound like an option that you like to consider, 
I would not delay. The recent drop from the Fed last week has triggered even more banks to reduce their interest rates again, and it's hard to imagine them getting much lower. So I'd be happy to answer any other questions y'all have about this. I know this was a wonky and long story, but it was such a big eye-opener for us this year. I had to share this sort of next chapter in the saga of personal finance bossing up that we've been doing here this year. So if you've got questions or any other personal financial topics that you want me to cover or share, I am all ears. Weigh in via the comments section in today's corresponding blog post where you can find lots of links to helpful resources and find the whole story that I just shared with you all written out. Head to bossedup.org slash episode 173. Hit me up on social media. I'd love to share more about our experience and getting our financial lives together because the last year and a half has really come with a ton of growth. And for our real estate folks who are interested in learning more about our real estate money moves, I wrote an entire post about how we made that happen, how we sort of transitioned from our first home to then renting that house out and buying our second home in a past blog post, an episode that I'll link to in the podcast and in in the show notes and in the blog post today as well. But yeah, I hope talking about money isn't triggering for you. I've gotten some shit in the past when I've talked about money and I can understand why if it feels really unattainable to talk about this stuff and how privileged this whole conversation is, which I I totally want to own. But I also think about myself less than three years ago, Brad and I moved here to Denver like two and a half years ago. We were renting. We had never paid more than like 1400 bucks a month in rent. And we couldn't even imagine owning more than one home. So it's kind of amazing how much can change in a relatively short period of time with a little bit of financial good fortune, no doubt about it, and really increasing your own personal financial literacy. Because frankly, I grew up with almost none of that. (laughs) So if I can help share my come up story when it comes to going from not even knowing how to budget to really doing complex financial transactions like this, I want to make sure to share that with you as well. So I hope that intent comes through and I appreciate your feedback as we move forward. So thanks as always for listening. If you know someone who's considering this or should be considering this, share today's episode with them now to make sure that they're getting all the insights they can. And and if you found our experience enlightening, please go ahead and share it. And together we can all keep bossing in pursuit of our purpose and lift as we climb. 